The Paul Kaharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Hey, Titans fans, welcome into the Paul Kaharski Podcast, brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Yazoo Brews, a Southern original since 2003. And in case you have forgotten me, I am Paul's lucky co-host, Madison Blevins. It's been a bit since I've gotten to talk with you guys and with you, Paul, but I'm glad we finally got your busy schedule under control. Yeah, I don't know if it's been my busy schedule, but it's nice to do one of these on Wednesday. It's nice to have somebody to talk with, and I am glad it is you. I'm glad to talk with you too. I always love our conversations, Paul. Likewise. How have you been? I've been all right. I heard uh, tomorrow's a big day. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know how big it is. I know what's going to happen to this uh, this guy that came into my house. Um, the uh, naked, drugged out teenage uh, assailant, if you will. He didn't assault it. Well, he did. We fought, so it was assault. But uh, he's in... Uh, in front of a judge on uh, on Thursday, and uh, I've talked to the DA. I know what's going to happen, and um, I'm all right with it. I decided not to go. I don't. I don't want to see him. I don't want to know who he is. So uh, it yeah. seems like to me that would dredge things up some more. And I'm glad not to dredge things up anymore because I feel like I've got a handle on it now. Well, I'm glad it'll be kind of settled tomorrow for you guys. Yeah, me too. Um, I also heard you talking this week on the Midday 180 that the end of the Yankee season used to be really hard on Teresa, your wife, back when you guys were dating. What was that about? I kind of came in on the end of the conversation. Yeah, I um, I mean, the Yankees won a lot of World Series once upon a time. Teresa and I met um, during the 1998 World Series. The, the Yankees were uh, sweeping, sweeping the San Diego Padres. I actually had a ticket to game five. Uh, and I met her uh, at a sports bar in uh, in Green Hills, not in Green Hills, in Hillsborough Village. Oh, uh, what was it called? Sam's? Well, it was Jonathan's before Sam's. So, yeah, we were in that oh. Jonathan's. And um, I was all excited about my trip to San Diego. And then the Yankees uh, swept and I didn't get to go. And I still have not seen a uh, World Series game or a Yankees World Series game. But I used to, uh, at the end of Yankee season, uh, kind of fall to pieces. And uh <laughs> I had a bad habit of uh, sabotaging my relationship, and uh, it often came in sync with uh, the Yankees sabotaging my baseball season. (laughs) When the Yanks were down uh, 2-1 in this series this week to the Red Sox, she said, so, uh, uh, and we just celebrated our 14th anniversary, and she said, so are we going to break up? Are we going to make it to 15? Yeah. so fortunately, my marriage can now survive the Yankees going bad. I watched as little Yankees baseball this year as I ever watched before. But when I plug into the Yankees in the playoffs, nothing had changed. I might as well have watched every inning of every game for how um, passionate I was about it, how I was living and dying with every pitch, and how miserable I am that it is over. Uh, it really depresses me. And I think it's probably healthy for me, not necessarily to be depressed over it. It'd be better for me if they won the World Series, obviously. But um, I do disconnect to maybe an unreasonable degree, I admit, from sports fandom as I deal with sports fans for a living. Um, and I wrote about this when the U.S. was eliminated from from the World Cup field. Um last year or, or early this year about how, uh, you know, a year ago today, was it a year ago today, October 10th, How about that 
Tuesday, what? October 10th, last year. Yeah, it was a year ago. Did um, you stumble onto that? You just I read, to see that? No, thing? I read it on Twitter today. Yeah. So I, I a, year ago today, I saw that. a year ago today, I, I wrote about how miserable that result made me and how it kind of reconnected me to fandom. And uh, and the Yankees' short playoff tenure there reconnected me to fandom. And it's probably healthy for me to be reconnected to fandom a little bit more often, uh, considering the way I interact with fans and how detached right. I am from, from the Titans and from a rooting interest in the National Football League and anything except the Yankees in U.S. soccer. Uh, well, I find it, if we go beyond that. I find it interesting, and I didn't even know this, that you hadn't been to a World Series game with the Yankees in it. That's like me not going to the National Championship if the Tennessee Vols are playing in it. Well, I've never been to a World Series game, period. I've just I've never ha- had the good fortune. Yankee ticket, obviously tough, and uh, and the World Series have all been in October. And in my adult life, when I've had the means to, to maybe scalp a ticket or, or find one like I did in 98 – um, it's been during, during football season, which is my heavy work season. So in 98, when I had arranged to go, the Tennessean, uh, you know, had, had, uh, agreed to give me a couple of days off, you know, and I was set to stay with a, an ex-girlfriend in San Diego. And I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I had everything set up and a friend of mine helped me buy a single ticket in San Diego, which is probably as easy a Yankees world series ticket as was ever going to be found. But, uh, I still hope to go one day. Simon's sitting in the office right now. Uh, oh, watch, watching, watching some videos and not paying me any attention, but uh, I would love to drag him at some point after he joins my Yankee fandom, which uh, I'm anxiously awaiting. But at any rate, it used to be a miserable time of year in more than one way. Uh, <laughs> hopefully now it's miserable in only uh, one way, but uh, maybe that's somewhat reassuring to the people who read and listen to me that uh, I can relate a little bit more up. to your you fandom. Up. I can relate a little bit more to your fandom, but also I'm a lot more reasonable than you are uh, <laughs> uh, about my fandom. And that leads us right into topic two. Here. Exactly. Topic yeah. One, Titans topic one. What the people actually want to hear about the topic around the Titans this past week, I feel like has just been around the receivers. First, Richard Matthew leaves the team, which kind of seemed unexpected, maybe not, but then an unimpressive performance on Sunday versus the Bills from the receiving core led to two roster cuts, including Nick Williams. People seem to be really tore up about the Titans receivers. And there also seemed to be, when I was reading on Twitter, that a lot of people are expecting a giant change. Can we say that that's realistic right now with the Titans? No. I mean, maybe they're going to work a trade somewhere along the way before the trade deadline, but it's not bringing in the kind of guy that, that you all are imagining. And, you know, they may have been trying to work on something this week and look what they wind up with. They wind up with Cameron Batson off the practice squad. This is how it works. Player acquisition, player acquisition season in the NFL is March and April predominant, right? Right. If, if it's like last season, you know, you stumble into an Eric Decker late and you stumble into a, uh, a Eric Walden late. Generally speaking, you get your free agents in March, you get your draft class in April. And from there, there's a little bit of tinkering, but it's it's not a lot of player acquisition. Titans got screwed by Richard Matthews leaving. Titans got screwed by Delaney Walker dislocating his ankle. And so they're in some trouble at wide receiver. But we're a week removed from the receivers accounting for 19 catches and maybe 270 yards against the Eagles. I mean, the Titans receivers have dropped too many passes. But two of the big culprits, excuse me, 
or Darius Jennings and Nick Williams. Uh, another one is Janu Smith, who's who's not a receiver. Another one who dropped a crucial pass was Rashard Matthews, and he's gone. I mean, I'm not saying that Corey Davis and and Taewon Taylor and Tajay Sharp are without sin. And I'm not one to defend the Titans receivers. This has been a black hole of a position since the team came to Tennessee in 1997. And I've been around for all of that. But that said, and Nick Williams was a disaster on Sunday. He created an interception and he dropped a touchdown pass. And if neither of those happened, if one of those happened in the right direction for the Titans, they probably win that game and they're four and one instead of three and two. But the passer rating for Marcus Mariota to Corey Davis on Sunday was 91.7. And for Tajay Sharp, it was 95.8. He converted three big third downs. And for Taewon Taylor, it was 77.1. And, yeah, he had a bad fumble. But those guys aren't the reason the Titans lost this game necessarily. Nick Williams was, and Nick Williams is gone. Um, But I think now the the wide receivers are being overly victim, uh, overly cast as as the, the villains here and I, like I said I'm not one to to want to defend them I don't think it's a very good trio I don't think John Robinson did enough at this position I don't think you need to trade up to get Dane Crookshank when when you need help at receiver I don't think you be need need to to draft Luke Falk when you need a receiver a guy that doesn't wind up on the roster uh, I think you should have, have taken a flyer on some veteran free agent receiver who might have given you some level of help. Um, but those decisions were cast, and the idea now that something giant is going to happen to bail these guys out uh, is kind of ridiculous. The biggest culprit here to me is is at tight end, where without Delaney Walker, Johnny Smith has really failed to step up, and they're getting nothing out of the tight ends in the passing game. Maybe Anthony Ferkser called up from the practice squad will change that a little bit and give them give Mariota some options in the passing game that he hasn't had. Um, but, I mean, I think the Titans can win with what they have. It's certainly not going to be a strength. Uh, but, you know, this offense schemes up some easy easy throws and easy catches and easily defined stuff. And I think these guys are, are, are capable of doing that. And I, I'm a little bit surprised, quite frankly, at, the, at how Nick Williams' failures – at how a uh, a great string by Titans film room out there, out there on Twitter of all of the crucial third down drops made this season, how these things have 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 uh, kind of led to this week's hatred of the wide receivers when Davis, Sharp, and Taylor are not guilty of too many crimes against mankind. Um, you know, uh, th- these guys have made some decent catches this year. Their numbers aren't very good. Mariota had a messed up elbow for a while. Gabbert played a game and a half. Um, again, I don't love them, but I don't think they're worthy of of the hate they're getting to this degree right now. And I think the expectations for the fourth and fifth wide receivers for much of the fan base are, are frankly not realistic. Let me ask you this then. Do you think if Nick Williams caught that ball, that touchdown pass and then zone on Sunday, would he still be on the roster? Yeah, I think so. Uh maybe not because of the interception, but I think the two compounded it. And the fact of the matter is, and I understand this is still a relatively new regime as I take a sip of water. John Robinson, we've seen for a while, Mike Vrabel, we're just seeing, but the Titans have very rarely cut a guy in the day or two after a bad performance, right? a, a middling guy, right? Bobby April, the special teams coach for Mike Malarkey was set free pretty quickly 
uh, when Mike Malarkey in his first year realized that he wasn't getting what he thought he was going to be getting from his coach. Um, Darius Raynaud, I think, uh, you know, he didn't get cut for, for a safety that he gave the Steelers on opening day. He got cut further down the road after making some mistakes. Parrish Cox a couple of years ago was cut with four or five games left in the season, but it's very rare that a guy after a bad game be cut. I don't know that that marks a new era, but, uh, yeah, that, pretty- that's what I was going to say. Do you think that that's maybe Vrabel's way of sending a message and saying, hey, we're in the NFL, you got to perform at this level that's expected of you or, you know, repercussions come? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I certainly think that's that's uh, fact. And I, I look, I've there have been a lot of times where I thought it, it should have happened in, in the past. And the the tone of all the coaches previously and all the regimes previously have been like, look, you got to be able to withstand a guy making a a big mistake. You can't be, you know, overly reactionary. I'm not saying this is overly reactionary. Nick Williams is a low ranking guy on the roster. And I I think it's completely reasonable that if a low ranking guy on the roster plays particularly poorly and you think you can do better, that you go out and do better. Now, is Cameron Batson better? Uh, We'll find out. I'm hoping they don't have to throw to the fourth or fifth wide receiver very often. And that would help if a tight end could make a damn catch so that they wouldn't have to throw to the fourth or fifth wide receiver. And we should point out, look, Nick Williams made two terrible plays in Buffalo against Philadelphia. He effectively drew a pass interference that converted a fourth down on the overtime drive. So it's not like he was a complete zero in Buffalo. He had a good punt return too, that set up a, a field goal. It's not like it was a complete catastrophe. He had two very bad plays and he's, you know, not, not a special player by any means. But you have to have guys like that. They Titans need their guys like that to be better than he was. Yeah, well, I liked how Logan Ryan on the Logan Ryan show on Midday 180 this week was talking. He was like, you know, it's the NFL. You're expected to make those passes, but everybody makes mistakes. Sometimes not everyone performs on their job, but I just thought his take on it was really well done. Uh, moving on, though, do we have an injury update on Taylor Lewan? And if he isn't good to go against Baltimore on Sunday, could we potentially see Dennis Kelly as a possibility now that he is back and healthy? Uh, I certainly would hope that Kelly will be all right. Uh, you know, it's a scary situation. He doesn't know what he had. Uh, he's probably never going to know. Uh, he's rebuilt some strength, put back on some weight, and he did make the trip to Buffalo, though he didn't dress for the game. He was a full participant in Wednesday's practice. Luan didn't practice with his foot injury, uh, though I saw him in the, in the locker room. He wasn't in a boot or anything like that. Um, so, look, Terrell Suggs is, is going to be rushing uh, against that guy. Um, he's, he's an old man now, but he's still very effective. If Luan's right foot is an issue, he'll know how to take advantage of it. Um, I think it, it might come down to game time to see who plays. Um, but it's a crucial position, obviously. And uh, Lawan's already missed a game for a concussion, and now uh, the vast majority of the Buffalo game with that foot. Be nice to get him healthy and have him out there. So uh, certainly that's their hope, and certainly it's their hope that if he can't go, Dennis Kelly can, as opposed to uh, Tyler Merritt's, um, who you know uh, moved up a notch in the depth order when Kevin Palmfield went on IR. So uh, Titans, you know, need to get that settled and hopefully have the same offensive line out there all the time. Uh, and it's a bad week to be missing the left tackle if, in fact, they are. We uh, So we'll stay tuned for injury reports on the lawn Thursday, Friday, and maybe right up to, to game time uh, at Nissan Stadium on Sunday afternoon. 
Paul, it wouldn't be a podcast with us if we didn't get off topic a little bit. So I have to stop here and do that now because I recently heard, which I didn't know this about you, but you have a fascination with the Hubble telescope. And I actually didn't even know what that was. Unfortunately, I oh, admit that I had, to, uh, and I, I had to look it up. But um, I'm just curious on what's going on in NASA right now. Well, the Hubble telescope has been put into a safe mode. Uh, so it's got some gyroscope issues. My understanding is that uh, like it means they can't aim it necessarily where they want to aim it because it's disoriented, so to speak. But I'm, I'm going to attach uh, to the post with this podcast at paulkuharski.com. Uh, I'm going to embed this YouTube video that is a uh, an hour long special. It's now on YouTube. I saw it on uh, Science Science Channel or something. Uh, a special on the Hubble Telescope, which was unbelievable. It's one of the the most educational specials I've ever watched. Uh, is about uh, kind of the invention of the Hubble Telescope, but also the fact that once we got the Hubble Telescope up in orbit. Uh, we botched the mirror somehow, and the mirror is kind of part of the lens, and, and, and it's a big deal. And we had we sent up a mission, a space shuttle mission, to fix it. And it was a huge deal to fix this thing that we had spent a ridiculous amount of money on. But And they f- successfully fixed it. And so much about what we have learned about space. I'm just fascinated with the technology of what we've been able to do in space. So much of what we have learned from space, looking at other galaxies and discovering other planets and all of this stuff, comes from what the Hel- Hubble telescope has shown us. So they got to get these uh, gyroscopes f- fixed. Uh, so that we can continue to look out at what's going on out there and find out these amazing stories. You know, when they're finding these Earth-like planets, uh, billions and hundreds of billions, however far away this stuff is, incomprehensible stuff. But the researchers are finding this stuff, you know, where they see a speck of light that's disappearing uh, and reappearing and figuring out how that's a planet and what's it mean about the orbit and its sun and uh, you know, if it's in the uh, habitable zone in terms of its ability to uh, have an atmosphere and water uh, to sustain life as we know it. All this stuff comes from their ability to look at it through this Hubble telescope, which is, I think, one of the most underrated modern inventions in our history. And if they can't fix these gyroscopes, we're screwed. But it sounds like they're pretty optimistic. I had no idea you were so into science i I am uh fascinated by our ability to put things out there like when we sent when we sent the thing the probe out to send back pictures of pluto or when we send the one uh, all of the 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 fact that we could send something that far away and it could send us back pictures that we can see things like that's just unfathomable to me that it's in the realm of human possibility and for all that is so shitty in the world that we're able to do stuff like that uh, can, can when I think about it, make me excited about mankind. Now I'll think about something else in five minutes or, uh, or the hearing about my guy tomorrow and I'll be, or the Yankees losing and I'll be all bitter again, but the Hubble telescope excites me. Paul, tell us right now, is there life on Mars? No, not any kind of, <laughs> no, we know this. I think there's life out there somewhere though. And I think we limit ourselves by thinking it has to be like us. Like, 
I don't know that it has to be oxygen, breathing, water, drinking, life. Take that. Go write a science fiction movie based on that. Uh, I don't know. I'm with you. I definitely think there's something else out there. But I don't know if it's life on Mars. Like we know it, like you said. Yeah, it's not life on Mars. You never know. Could be. If it's life on Mars, it's way underneath Mars and it's like microbes and who cares? I mean, you literally never know. There's certain parts of Mars they can't get to. Yeah, there's no Martians walking around on there. We know that. It's a nice dream. They would have reached out to us by now. How do you know they have it? Well, how come we're not answering them? You're a big Area 51 person? You think uh, the government government conspiracy on the flat earth is keeping it a big secret? I am a big Area 51 person, and I will say this without saying stuff that I shouldn't say, but I have... Say what what you shouldn't say. I I want... I want the government to come after you. <laughs> no, they're probably like going to track. All I know is that I have been told by a significant store, and I'm not even going to get into that, but there are apparently crazy stuff that is hidden in Area 51 that proves that there is life out there you're not telling us anything we don't know everybody thinks there's stuff in area 51 that says no but like you've got like a source who really (laughs) knows what's in area 51 right no i don't listen here's what america Um, sucks at madison keeping secrets right if 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 there was a big conspiracy to kill kennedy or if there's some huge information at area 51 people would not be able to keep it a secret we don't do well at keeping secrets in america Right, Onward. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll get into this in part two. That's for the members no, only. We're getting in that in part two. In part two, we're getting into <laughs> Mike Vrabel being willing to kind of acknowledge what he doesn't know and how unusual that is for a football coach. Rashawn Evans, who appeared to be lost at times in Buffalo, and what he and the team are saying and what I think from there. The shredding of the Banksy painting, which is a huge story. Oh, I can't wait to get to that. And the Titans going on another big trip after a disaster last year. That's the better part of this podcast. That's coming up for members only. If you're not one, you should be. $5.99 a month or 12 months for the price of 11 in a yearly fee. Uh, there's really nothing to it. Signing up, you get two stories from Blake Bettingfield a week, previewing and reviewing the game. You get everything I write. You get the full podcast that we're doing right here. And you get uh, exclusive Periscope and Facebook Live programming um, that I do, including uh, from the stadium after the game uh, that is for members only. I hope you'll consider joining. Take a look. We're brought to you by Yazoo Brewery, uh, Nashville's finest home crafted beer. Not crafted in my home, crafted in their home. Uh, we'll be back for part two after a short pause here. Members, just stay aboard. The Paul Kaharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.